Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. We do a lot of interviews with EDM artists, pop artists, rappers, and people in the industry, letting you know what they do behind the scenes. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter through the handle Sidewalk Talk Show. Hope you guys enjoy. Hi, this is Lauren Engel. Today I'm here with Vax Motif. Yo, what's up? <laughs> so you're born in what, North Ride, Sydney? Yeah, it's like 30, 40 minutes out mm-hmm. of like the middle of the city. But your parents were born in Hong Kong or? Yeah, my mom was born in Hong Kong, my dad was born in Shanghai, but um, they met in Australia, like they both immigrated to Australia and met there. Oh, Yeah. like for school or like what? Um, my dad, just like his family moved there, um, and my mom moved for school, um, but she was working, her sneaky trick was she was working at TSA in Hong Kong. So, like, she was able to transfer, like, really easy because she worked at, like, immigration in Hong Kong, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, yeah, she went to school in Australia for a bit. For you growing up in Sydney, in Northwood, was there, like, an Asian population or...? Yeah, it's, like, pretty big in, like, my suburb. Oh, so you had no problems fitting in or, like, culture? I guess, like, in one sense, yeah, but, I mean, the the high school I went to was, like, a super white, like, private school, so, Mm -hmm. like... It, it's kind of weird, like, I guess nine to five, you'd be at this, like, you know, in this private school world, and then from, like, six till all night, you'd go home and back to the suburbs, and, like, you'd be, I don't know, around all the other public school, like, yeah. ethnic kids and stuff, so it was, like, a, a mixed life, I guess. How strong was, like, the Chinese culture growing up in your household? Pretty, I mean, it's pretty strong. Like, my parents speak Chinese at home, mm-hmm. so... I can understand it really well, even though it's, like, hard for me to speak because, you know, I don't get enough practice. But I can, like, understand Cantonese pretty fluently. Yeah. So I can oh, my God, then I can just talk shit. to you and you, <laughs> yeah. you have to respond in English to me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, my friends used to hear my mom talk and, like, because I can I can hear both languages, so to me it sounds like the one thing, but to them they'd be like, how come only half the words your mom says are in English? And I'm like, oh, it makes sense to me, but yeah. I just don't think about it like that. Same. Yeah. <laughs> but what parents were, uh, what careers were they in in the end when you were growing up? Uh, my mom's in early childhood and uh, my dad's in construction. Oh. Builder. Yeah. So pretty hands-on work. Where do you get your creative side from then? I don't know. That's a pretty good <laughs> question, actually. That's a pretty good question. Um... I guess I guess part of it is just watching my parents grind so hard um, and like kind of come from a more analytical side of thinking where if you like put in the, those hours you get that money from that work mm-hmm. or whatever. So I guess for me it, it was nice to kind of find a life where it wasn't so analytics driven like you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like go to work and get paid it's just a bit more creative and a bit more free mm-hmm. how do you describe yourself back then growing up uh i don't know i guess awkward maybe mm-hmm. like I, I think it just took a while to like feel comfortable in like my own skin and kind of just become the person i am now so yeah did you like school though not really no mm-hmm. i fucking hated it i mean it wasn't like the best academically and I don't know, I just felt like there was more to learn outside of the classroom, personally, so. Did you drift closer to, like, the creative subjects in high school? Like, did you like music and stuff? Yeah, I always did, like, I 
I remember I wanted to take art one year, my mom wouldn't let me. And like my art teacher wow. was like, you should let him take art, like he's really good at drawing and stuff. And oh. I was like, nah, if it's not like English or maths, or like, <laughs> she, he's not taking it. So I, I always was kind of creative, but I guess I just never really found the right like outlet for it mm -hmm. growing up. So. But what did you do like after school or like in your free time back then? Um, so basically after high school, I like had to go to college. Yeah, you did like and, econ. Uh, yeah, I did economics. <laughs> and I mean, college isn't in Australia, isn't like in America where you're like saddled with heaps of debt. Like you can go to college oh, yeah. and, and you know, the government will like, you know, pay for a lot of it. So they were like, look, you got in, you got to go. So I'd go to class and then kind of in between classes when I started DJing and buying records and just kind of getting into it. Yeah. Do you remember the first CD you bought? Um, yeah, actually, it was like Blink-182 Dude Ranch. Because, <laughs> like, I mean, I wasn't even really into music then, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was just, like, the very first CD I ever bought, probably that, like, back when I really didn't have any real musical tastes, but I like Blink-182, mm. so, like, that's not hard. How did he get from that to like hip hop? Hip hop, because he liked like in the club, like juicy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know how I transitioned. I guess like friends just started showing mm -hmm. me more music, and like you know, LimeWire and and Bear Share and stuff were like happening then. So downloading music was like pretty rampant and easy. You didn't and even like like hip hop initially, right? No, I don't it's think like so. It took you a while to realize and come around to it. Yeah, I I like. I mean, I really, I think before like 14, I didn't really have any musical taste. Like it was just kind of whatever was on the radio, you know? And then as I started getting more music, I started kind of finding more artists. And then I think it was like Notorious B.I.G. who's like you mm. know, my favorite, basically. Um, I started getting his songs and that was it. That was a wrap. Did you play some instruments growing up? No, I didn't. I like played keys for a little bit, but it was pretty hard to get me to sit down and like keep learning it so mm -hmm. I just gave up after a while and then just played sport I ran around outdoors a lot oh yeah. what was like at what age did it did you start to develop uh, put more time into music um, it actually was pretty late like it wouldn't have been till really I was like 23 because that was kind of when I was in college and like really starting to try and DJ a lot and like make music and yeah so about 23 like maybe like just before the end of college yeah I mean before then I'd like dabbled around but I didn't own like turntables or CDJs or anything until I was like 21 mm-hmm yeah what were you into before that like were you um, were you like really into sports like training all the time or like um, how were you using your time by then I was just like into just partying and traveling mm -hmm. and stuff I guess like most kids finish high school at 18 um, and you can start drinking legally at 18, so everybody starts going out then, and, um, and traveling as well, because we live so far, like, basically every young Australian goes traveling for a long amount of time. Like, outside of Australia? Yeah. To Bali? Yeah. <laughs> I know it! <laughs> everywhere. The Australians love Bali. <laughs> yeah, they love Bali. <laughs> but, I mean, there's Australians everywhere, like, if you go to Whistler, you know, there's always a bunch. So, um, a lot of those, like, 18 to 22, 23, I was just, like, partying and traveling and just trying to, like, work out what I was going to do with mm -hmm. my life, you know? What school did you go to? 
uh, college. Yeah. I went to Macquarie University. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I mean, at that time, you got to remember, I kind of thought I was just going to be an accountant or like work in finance, you know? So I really wasn't even thinking like, oh, I can live off music and just do this for a job. Yeah. So it's pretty crazy. Yeah. I actually studied abroad in Sydney. Oh yeah, where yeah. at? University of Sydney. Oh, that's the good one. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's where my little sister went. That's like the one. What did she study? Uh, she? Oh, she's like the smart one. She did like double degree. Oh my god. Engineering and science. Like, and she's a grade nine pianist. Mm -hmm. Like, she's insane. She, yeah. She was the one that all the... I think when my parents realized I was the dud, they just like... You know what I mean? They they pushed all the all the all the energy onto her. They put all the pressure on her, and like she came through. Mm -hmm. So yeah. And then, like you graduated, and then you were like telling your parents they were gonna like have a year off and try to figure it out. Yeah, because I started doing interviews, and they all sucked. Like I cannot explain it. Like being in the classroom, I didn't mind learning about it. When it came to actually like talking with these people in their fucking office mm -hmm. and wearing a suit, I was like, oh, this is horrible. <laughs> like, no thank you. Like, I did one interview at PricewaterhouseCoopers. I was like, nah, I'm fucking out of here. And um, basically got a job at a bar and started DJing in that bar, like, every night of the week as well and, like, working in the office in the daytime. Mm -hmm. And um, just told my parents, like, just give me a year to kind of... I'm gonna live downtown in Sydney and like work in this bar and try and DJ and try and make it work. And they were like, yeah, okay. I mean, you graduated, so what else can we do now, I guess. Oh, yeah. Um, were you, how were you like living? Was that paying like all your bills? Like, is that how you were? Nah, back then it was just like, just surviving. So just yeah. paying my rent, my bills. Yeah. A little bit of food, but yeah, nothing crazy. I like didn't go out a lot because I was just at home like on Ableton all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can ask like any of my friends from high school, they'll tell you like, I kind of stopped going out for a while just to like make music and focus on music. Wow. What was like, was there a turning point that you instantly became so fascinated in music? Cause it's kind of like a 360, you weren't like completely into music growing up. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, honestly, probably a bit to do with that was like smoking weed. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know, it's just like, the, I, I like like making stuff when I'm high and I like listening to music when I smoke weed, so I wouldn't say that's the exact point, but it kind of helped like as, as like my interests and, you know, kind of, I, I started developing into a human adult, mm -hmm. just the way I went, I guess. Did you have a lot of music friends back then? Nah, I had none. Wow. Yeah, I, there's nobody kind of in my friend group that's in music or is a DJ or anything. They were just, all my boys are just like, you're the one that does that. And like, they just play Xbox and mm -hmm. like, I'd be there just DJing. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. And what, did you have a moniker before Wax? No, I didn't. I'm like, this is what you get, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. this isn't like a, like a planned rollout project type deal, you know, it's just me, that's just who I am, so. How did you come up with the name again? Fuck, I like, I mean, I used to play a lot of records mm -hmm. and like, that's like, like wax is slang for records. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and like a motif, just like, you know, 
is the idea of something. So I figured, yeah, hey, I'll always be playing records. So much for yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I still have a shitload of records my mom's trying to get rid of. She's like, they're in my house, get them the fuck out. And then after, like, de- how long were you DJing the bar bar, doing that gig? Oh, like ages. Um, I mean, sometimes when I'm, I'm back in Sydney, I'll still go and play there. Um, but I was probably doing that for maybe three or four years. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, it wasn't, it, like, that was, that one bar was kind of like my, my residency spot. So, like, they'd also do pretty good nights. Like, what's so not goes and plays there. Oh. So it's not like... I guess, it, like, back then especially, it was, like, the place. Um, but I always kind of maintained the, like, shitty midweek bar stuff as I kept growing in those four years in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, by the end, I was kind of doing it all. Like, I'd do the bar stuff. I'd go play the festival. Like, n- not in the same way I play a festival now. Mm-hmm. I would just be, like, opening for someone actually important. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. But it was good, good practice. And you were already putting out a lot of music on SoundCloud during the whole time. Yeah, I kind of started. Um, I think that like the first real one of any significance was called Go Deep, and um, that did really well. So I guess from there it kind of made me just want to put out more music because I saw, I saw like the payoff, the reward for it. Were you already like getting a fan base first in Australia? Yeah, a little bit. Um, again, I don't think it's anything like it is today. Mm-hmm. But um, I guess, yeah, there are definitely people that like are still fans of mine from then and still talk about stuff from then, so it's like I, I can kind of tell. Were you getting your stuff out there initially through blogs or...? A little bit. Um, it was kind of like... It was kind of difficult, like, being from Australia. Like, I feel like it's a little bit of a disadvantage because if you go out in LA, you you can meet people when you're out socially as well and, like, that can tie into your work and in Australia, you're kind of isolated, so, um, yeah, I was trying to, but it wasn't, it wasn't easy, I don't think, Mm -hmm. not until, like, Australia really got the spotlight put on it, like, Flume, for instance, Yeah. I feel like was a big turning point, and then it was kind of easy for Australians, but before then it's a little bit more difficult mm-hmm. and what was your next big break after that um, I'd probably say like when a year after moving here and me and Destructor were working a lot on his project and you know we kind of like started this whole G house thing with a few other people and that's when I noticed like the shift into like now where where people will like identify with you more as an artist than just the nightclub DJ mm-hmm. I guess like you know instead of just a DJ at whatever venue like whatever bar you're starting to get booked because people understand you have like a certain sound or, and want to see it so yeah. but you must have done a lot of stuff before you moved to LA right because of visas and stuff yeah I, I did um, but I feel like again it was all kind of just practice into like the main event, really, which mm-hmm. is kind of now. And it always clicked to you that you wanted to move to LA since the onset? Like, that was your goal? Um, I definitely had that goal when I was super young. Like, I remember me and two of my friends made, like, a pact when we were, like, 18, and we were like, we're all going to move to LA and be famous and shit. 
and I, I'm the only one that moved. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I guess LA became like a real thing just because the, a lot of the dance music industry started shifting their focus here. And for me, I mean, A, I love LA and obviously I like weed and, and rap mm -hmm. music, so they're all here. <laughs> but the weather's really similar to Sydney. Yeah. Um, it's, it, it's really a lot like Sydney, you got to drive everywhere, the weather's awesome, there's a lot of hills and it just, it's not difficult for me to live here and um, feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. so. What was the like tween thing that happened that Noisy covered? Oh yeah. <laughs> um, they were just shitting on our genre. <laughs> so, so I just basically, like they said this, this girl, she made like a G house song or, or hip hop record. Like it just sounded like a DJ mustard type record. But mm -hmm. They said something about our genre and like, I basically took it upon myself to then remix that track into our actual something in our genre and yeah. then send it back to them. <laughs> and I saw those guys a few weeks later and they were just like, we were laughing about our like fake internet beef, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, semi-real, <laughs> semi-fake, but it's all in good fun. Yeah. Were you always conscious of the G-House genre? Like, were you, was it something that you were thinking about, like a name to label it or? No, I mean, to be honest, like the, the name actually just kind of came from the internet, I feel like. It was, it was just what it was labeled. Um, to me, like, I think what we're doing is a new thing, but I think the ideas and the influences come from the years previous to that. So, I mean, any of that kind of fidget house, like the Crookers stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, Crookers had songs with Khalees and Kid Cudi and, you know, putting urban artists onto house records. Um, it's not a new concept. I feel like maybe we just revived it and kind of did it in like a really fresh way. So for me, it's, I've always liked that stuff, like rap vocals on house records. Mm -hmm. And from the onset, did you always want to be more of like a hip hop producer? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, that's what got me into producing, like seeing videos of, like music videos of Dr. Dre in the back of like a 50 cent clip mm -hmm. with like all the faders. And I still kind of work on a lot of rap stuff now. So I, I like to think I'm just a producer, that someone like Mark Ronson, who like, mm -hmm. he can go work on like Lady Gaga and then he can go make some like, I don't know, funky disco stuff or whatever, like, I just feel like as long as I, I can make everything, I'll be like, you know, a Rick Rubin type producer who's just like, good producer, mm -hmm. like fuck the genre, you know? Do you think early on you were ever like pigeonholed into more of the electronic scene? Dif difficult to get into more of the hip hop rap? Yeah, really difficult. Um, but now all the worlds are colliding mm -hmm. and I feel like uh, rappers that work with like electronic producers actually can get an edge over their competition, you know? And it's pretty obvious with dudes like, you know, Cashmere Cat, who does a lot of Tory Lanes and The Weeknd and I mean, Gasafelstein and Skrillex worked on the new Weekend album, mm -hmm. so I don't know. I feel like we're the, we can be the secret source for people now, and I feel like the rate at which we produce is much quicker than people in other in other styles. Mm -hmm. So we can knock out really high quality songs pretty quick, and I think people like artists respond to that, the speed of like getting stuff back. How did you get into the rap scene initially in LA? Um. I, I guess a lot of it had to do with my publisher. Mm -hmm. They work with a lot of rap, um, rap producers and rappers. Um, 
And then I guess just generally just kind of hangs around. Like when I did the tour with GTA, we were with K Camp and Rich the Kid. And you just kind of meet people like that and just like stay in touch or don't. Mm-hmm. And yeah, kind of build your own little like network, I guess. Did you have the same management as you did when you were in Australia or is it different now? No, I didn't have a manager in Australia. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, A, a combination of not being ready and B, I don't think at the time Australia really had like great infrastructure for that sort of sort of thing. So yeah, I was always self-managed basically until I moved here. Mm-hmm. What clicked to you that you wanted a team by that point? I don't think um, it's something I actively like tried to get so much as like when people started approaching me mm. and I realized, oh, okay, you got to start giving away like 20% of your money to someone. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It just kind of, it kind of became obvious. Um, and from then, I guess I, I kind of like sought help, but. Before then, I, I always felt really comfortable just doing things myself, so, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd say get away with it for as long as you can before, before you need someone else interjecting and help, helping, and you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it can just cloud, it can just muddle your vision until you're, like, ready for that sort of thing, I feel like. How about the transition to moving to LA with, like, types of people, like, were you used to it or was it kind of shocking? That's pretty difficult, yeah. Um... There's so many like subcultures in America, like like Latinos and stuff, which we don't have in Australia. Mm-hmm. So it's different in that Same respect. Same for Hong Kong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so different in that respect, but everything else pretty easy. Yeah. yeah. The types of the people in the music scene are also kind of similar. Or? Um, I mean, they're definitely more forward-thinking here. Mm-hmm. I feel like. Um, the competition's pretty hard here and like yeah. it makes people kind of feel the need to stand out more mm-hmm. in general like you know acting music like even if you're a pop star um australia is like has that but kind of not as much i feel like it's i don't know to like stand out so much is maybe not the best thing in australia but mm. i don't know it's um i guess just different cultures yeah i don't, I don't think it's anything malicious or conscious i think just the way the people are, you know. Mm-hmm. How did you meet like a Ty Dolla Sign and Youngblood? Oh, okay. Um, a lot of that was through like Gary Destructo. Oh. So when we were working on his project, um, and basically we ended up going to Ty's house twice to like record two different songs. Um, and then Young, I never actually met Young Thug, but I did a remix for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but we met, I met like YG and like Warren G fucking Kevin Gates like a bunch of those yeah. people was it difficult starting to do sessions with more rappers like is, is it different the type of sessions to like more pop people or yeah I think it's to? I think it's different A like you know they're usually like late <laughs> <laughs> so so you have they're to be prepared for like yeah a bit of a time challenge mm-hmm. um I think it's a bit it's different, almost easier in a way, because I feel like with songwriting, um, because the writer's not really writing for themselves, sometimes you kind of need to interject on the lyrics and stuff. But if I'm working with a rapper, like, you just let them rap their verse or rap their chorus, you know? It's like, you don't need my input, because, like, you kind of know the vibe you want. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so it's a little easier in that respect, but a little kind of like a, a little bit more difficult personalities to kind of yeah. juggle sometimes. <laughs> yeah. How did you meet the Madison people? Uh, that's a good question. I guess I probably met like Diplo first, just mm -hmm. kind of playing different places like around the world. Like I think the first time I probably met him was in Berlin a few years ago. And then from there, it just kind of, it wasn't really until I signed my EP, my first EP over there. Um, and we just did that through like management roads and emails. And then after that, I kind of went over there and, and met everyone. How has your relationship with them changed over time? Um, it's cool. I mean, I guess it's, it's kind of been the same. If anything, it's probably gotten stronger. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and the more stuff I've done there, and the more kind of welcoming they've been and the more, yeah, really chill. Like I love all the guys like Jasper and Paul and Nikki and stuff. How do you think your music has changed since the early songs you made? Um, I think it's gotten more professional sounding for sure. Um, and maybe kind of a little less wild in some of the ideas. <laughs> Why is that? Uh, I guess just when you're at the start, you're so experimental and I mean, weird, Weird is that can definitely be a good thing, but you know, weird too weird can also be a bad thing. Um, so I guess when you're first starting, you're just making the craziest ideas possible. Mm -hmm. And now I'm trying to like get a good mix where, you know, I can have a well-written song, but it's still interesting. I don't think it needs to be all like crazy fucking lasers and shit. You know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. Like, and you can like have a cool song with a really nice drop and it's still hard and banging, but also a really good song, so. What do your parents think of our career now? Um, they're pretty stoked, actually. Yeah? Which is cool, yeah. How did you convince them over time? <laughs> I don't, actually, you know what convinces all Asian parents is that you don't need money. Oh, <laughs> you yeah. Don't need money. So, <laughs> you show your invoices? Yeah. Here. So, like, uh, they know I'm paying my rent, paying my car, <laughs> like, they know I'm good, so it's like, yeah, I'm chilling, and I brought them to a show before, so I played. That always helps. Yeah, when they see your audience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, my mom now, like, she follows my Twitter, like she follows me on Twitter and Instagram, and she'll message me about things like the minute they go up. Oh wow. So I know she's checking it like a lot. I don't know if she's checking just to see I'm alive or not, <laughs> or like whether she cares, but she's um. She's interested enough to like talk to me about my career, so yeah. I, I'm pretty sure they're cool with it, you know. How do you think you've grown as a person since when you started? Oh man, I grew so much. Um, I feel like I'm calmer. Mm -hmm. I feel like when you're young, it's easy to get really emotional about things. And, and we work in an industry where it's like friends and business and, you know, sometimes business decisions aren't the same as friend decisions. and easy to get wrapped up and now I'm like wait like no drama in my life you know what I mean mm -hmm. the minute something comes along that's stressful I feel like I know how to deal with it way better than when I used to so yeah, it's chill mm -hmm. just calm and wiser what do you say have been your biggest challenges so far could be personal life or music up to you I guess I guess the first the initial move here is, is probably the biggest one because mm -hmm. um because nothing really, like nothing we did in Australia really mattered. So after a while of moving here, I kind of realized it was basically starting over again. Mm. 
except in an industry which is much bigger and, you know, it's way more competitive, so people look at it like you're taking their jobs, essentially. Um, and so that initial move, that first year, was really tough for me, just to kind of, you know, find the people you're meant to hang around with and get established and, you know, you're spending all the money you save to move on rent because you're not getting that many shows yet. And so that initial period was super difficult. Yeah, actually, how were you able to support yourself financially when you first moved here? I wasn't really able to, to be honest. Like, after a while, I just, like, ran out of cash and... I had basically all my shit in my car, like sleeping in my car and shit. Oh, wow. and, and then my friend got back from Europe and like basically had a guest room and was like, yeah, I'll let you stay here for like 500 bucks a month or whatever. And so I was just scrapping, basically. Um, Did you work other jobs? I didn't work other jobs, but I, I made music for and with other people oh. as my job, yeah. So I, I'd like do production stuff or just whatever, like, sell beats, like, mm -hmm. I remember selling, like, a bunch of beats, um, so kind of whatever I could do without having to, like, leave this profession, mm -hmm. um, yeah, and eventually, like, you know, I started paying 500 a month, and by the end, I was paying, like, two grand a month, mm -hmm. and, yeah, now I'm, like, renting my own place, I got a car and shit, so. <laughs> well, it's a, you're, like, smiling just thinking yeah, about your success, I love that. It's chill, you know, gonna, like, I don't know. I didn't need, I didn't need the bailout to get here, you know, so that feels good. Mm -hmm. What yeah. does success look like to you? This baby, look at <laughs> it. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it can look like anything, like, I mean, you know, obviously, don't get me wrong, I like to have, like, more money than I know how to spend, and, you know, beautiful kids and healthy family and shit, but... I mean, really, like, I feel pretty successful now um, just to be able to live off this mm -hmm. for as long as I have, so fuck it. Yeah. It's like looking at it. <laughs> yeah. What does love mean to you? That's a weird one. I still haven't worked that one out. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> Last question. What do you want to be remembered for? Um, I want to... I don't know, I, I feel like, you know, being a man of your word is, like, a pretty important thing. So I just want to be remembered as being, like, a stand-up guy. You know, mm. a solid dude. Like, didn't do anything dirty to get to where I am. And, like, kept my word along the way, you know? Yeah. So, like, it's a good thing. I love that. Thank you so much. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> Thanks.